Um, I'm going to do a, um, a little bit of, um, uh, I think, what I would call pastoral teaching tonight. So for the last few weeks uh, that I shared, uh, it's been a little bit more kind of my norm, preach, let's go after it, you know, kind of thing. I just felt like God had something different that he wanted to do tonight. I, haven't, uh, I heard Katie did an amazing job. I haven't had a chance to listen to it from last week, but just so thankful for her voice. And yes, amen, that's great, love it. Uh, so thankful for that and, uh, and for all the voices that we have that speak into our church. And, uh, but I just felt like the Lord was gonna wanna do something a little bit different tonight. So we're gonna talk tonight about what is the point of wilderness. What's the point of wilderness? So this story that we have uh, that we read tonight is about Jesus. And remember, as we've been walking through the gospel of Matthew, um, uh, we're, we're kind of following this line about how Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of God. He's the one that's sent to come and save us and redeem us. And he's kind of reliving the story that Israel went through way back when in the book of Exodus, right? So uh, just like the Israelites came out of Egypt, Jesus goes and lives in Egypt and then comes out of Egypt. And then just like the Israelites went through the Red Sea, remember that story, the part of the Red Sea? Jesus goes through the waters of baptism. And then remember the very next thing that happens in the life of the Israelites is they go into the wilderness before they go to the promised land Well, guess what? Jesus is going to go into the wilderness before he begins teaching and kind of about what the kingdom of God is like, which is essentially what the promised land is all about. See the parallels here? And so uh, there's this particular passage is loaded with um, kind of, um, uh, let's, how do I, hyperlinks back to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. So the book of Deuteronomy tells the story about, about Moses giving this great speech as people have gone through the wilderness and they're about to go in the promised land. And, uh, and Moses is explaining, this is why you just went through the wilderness and this is what you need to think about as you go in to the promised land. And there's all these hyperlinks in this passage with what happens in the book of Deuteronomy. So for you Bible nerds who care about this kind of stuff, go and read Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 8 this week and see if that helps you have a better understanding of what happens here uh, in this passage. We're gonna touch on that in just a minute. But uh, what I wanna press into tonight, and we're gonna break this down over the next couple weeks and look into the temptations a little bit more in detail, but what is the wilderness and why, why do we have to go through it? So, so practically speaking, here in the story, Jesus is led in by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So what is the wilderness? Well, practically speaking, there should be a slide, yep, right here. So this is the Judean countryside in Israel. It looks pretty kind of right now because there's a sunset, but it is barren wasteland. There are no animals, there's no water, like it, it, is, it is waste like, no one lives there because it's completely inhospitable. And so this is maybe, no one knows exactly for sure, but this is maybe exactly where Jesus spent this time in these 40 days. There's another slide, I think, right along in that, somewhere in that. You see, it's right there. It's like, this is not a place to go and hang out. Like, this is not like, I mean, it's kind of cool, but it's kind of cool for a day, not 40 And not 40 with no food and no drink, but this is where Jesus spent his time. And wilderness in the Bible represents a place that's lonely, that's uninhabited, people don't live there, um, that's kind of untamed, 
Uh, so it, it's not very well like um, organized, whereas like cities and societies are organized. It's where humanity thrives. Wilderness is like where chaos exists out there. And so, uh, and, and it's, 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 it's um, uninhabited. Resources are hard to find. And so what we see in this story is that Jesus goes into this place and this time of testing uh, in, the, in the wilderness. And again, it, it has these echoes back to Deuteronomy. So let me just briefly, here is what Moses told the people of God way back in Deuteronomy about why they went into the wilderness, okay? So this is Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two. I think it'll be on your screen here. It says this, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. That's a key right there. So there's a time of testing in the wilderness in order to know what's in your heart. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which you neither, which you which neither you or your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone. Here are the words of Jesus right here, right? This is, the, this is the scripture that Jesus quotes. Actually, all the times in this passage where Jesus quotes scripture, he's quoting scripture from these passages in Deuteronomy. It's like, so it gives you a clue. Oh yeah, that's what this is about. So to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. That's an odd fact. Hey, you didn't have swelling feet, so yay, you know. Uh, but you, that, you would expect that. Have you ever been in really hot weather where there's nothing to drink? Your, your feet swell. Your hands swell. Like, right? This is like an odd thing. So he's like, hey, that didn't happen to you. Praise God for that, right? Know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So the big idea here is God led Israel into the wilderness to test what was in their heart. And the word he uses here is that he did this to discipline them. Now, when we think of discipline, we think of what? We think of punishment, right? When we hear the word discipline, we think you have done something wrong and it needs to be fixed. That is not how the word discipline is being used here. Actually, in the Bible, in Hebrew and in Greek, the word for discipline, there's actually a couple different words, uh, actually is a much broader term that can mean to instruct or teach someone something. So if there's an instruction. So you could easily say, I did this so that I could teach you something, so that I could instruct you, so that we, it's actually probably more closer to coaching. Like, uh, so I could coach you in this. There's a difference between a teacher who stands up front and gives you information and a coach who shows you how to do something. You get it? So God is saying, like, I led you into this place so I could coach you, so I could teach you something. Now, sometimes that discipline instruction does look like you did something wrong and we gotta work on this to fix it, right? That's, that's a form of discipline too. Uh, and so it's not that it's, it's never about correction, but it's not primarily about correction. So we have to be careful when we think about this. So think about this really quickly. Did Jesus do anything wrong that caused him to go into the wilderness? No, this is a trick question, right? So if, if what God is doing is testing and like sending him into this time of the wilderness, it's not a punishment for doing something wrong. Does that, does that make sense? 
That right there should cue your mind for some of you who already think about, like, I know what a wilderness season is all about, to go, this may not have anything to do with I have done something wrong. And that should lift a burden off of you because if the father will do that to the son he loves in order to instruct him, he will certainly do it to me, right? That makes sense? That said, sometimes we enter into wilderness because we have done something. And it's like, I'm gonna have to teach you. There's no other way for you to go through this other than for you just to, oh, so sad, baby. It's okay. Oh, that's just like the saddest. It's not distracting at all. I just, my heart is like, someone. Uh, um, so, so sometimes there is something that we have done, that we've done and, and God's saying, hey, we're gonna have to walk through this together. Actually, there's lots of promises of God saying, hey, if you follow my ways, the whole book of Deuteronomy is about this. Like, all you have to do is hold fast to me and I am going to bless the craziness out of you. It's gonna be awesome, right? But if you don't, then you're gonna be expelled from the land that I'm gonna give you. And so there is this time of discipline. So there is a promise of that, but I think God's default position in wilderness is actually for our benefit. And I've got scriptures to prove it, all right? So here, the spirit of God is leading Jesus into the wilderness. But here's what I've learned as I've studied more about what wilderness is in the Bible. Wilderness is actually a place where God wants to bless you. Wilderness is actually a place where God wants to bless you. There is a consistent theme almost every time the wilderness is mentioned that you will receive a blessing that you could not receive if you stayed where you were. Let me give you some examples. Isaiah chapter 41. This is a, here's an example. The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched for thirst. But the Lord will, but I, the Lord, will answer them. The God of Israel will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights. Remember those pictures we saw? God's saying, if you are there, guess what? I'm gonna make it as though rivers are flowing in that place. I will turn the deserts into pools of water and parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert cedar uh, and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive and the olive. I will set pines in the wasteland, the fir and cypress together so that the people may see and know and may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. That sounds good to me. Anyone else? Like, now, the, the context of this is that it happens only in the wilderness. But there's a promise of God pretty consistently that when you are in this wasteland and it feels like there is nothing gonna grow around you, I am going to create something that is going to be a blessing to you. Don't believe me? Here's another one. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Picking up on a theme here, God wants to do something refreshing in the midst of wilderness. Again, don't take my word for it. Word of God, Hosea chapter two. Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. He's talking about Israel. I'm gonna woo her. I will lead her into the wilderness and I will speak tenderly to her. That's an interesting way to think about how God speaks to his people. I want to go somewhere that I'm not right now. Here's what he promises. There I will give back her vineyards. I will make the valley of anchor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. This is a picture. This is an interesting picture of the father saying, my bride has gone away. 
and I'm gonna, welcome, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna woo her back. I'm gonna date her back. And the way I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna call her out into the desert so she'll really see who I am. And then I'm gonna welcome her to come back home. And we're gonna fall in love just like we did when we were young. Uh, that, I'm, that might make us a little uncomfortable to think about how God, but your God is a loving God. I said I was gonna teach, I'm gonna preach now. Your God is a loving God who is pursuing you. And he, he wants to show you himself in the wilderness. Jeremiah chapter 17. Those are big picture. Here's what God's promises to an individual. Jeremiah 17 verse five. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like, brush, uh, be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in a parched land in places of the desert in salt and land where no one lives. So that person who rejects God, that person in the wilderness would dry up just like you would expect. However, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green and it has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. The, the picture here in Jeremiah chapter 17 is that this is what God wants for you to be like in the middle of wilderness, you can bear fruit like this. Like, regardless of whether or not you feel like you can, this is the heart of the Father towards you in wilderness. This is the heart of the Father towards Jesus in wilderness. God puts people in wilderness for their good. And so Jesus is put in this, in this position where it says the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I wish we had three hours to explain how that works, how the spirit of God led Jesus to be tempted by the devil, but we don't have time for that. And I would love to explore that at another time. I've actually been doing, I like took a deep dive into, into the research and I feel like God is like, like teaching me lots of stuff and I would love to share that, but we're not gonna do that tonight, all right? But, but suffice to say, if what we know about God is true and he's consistent, the same yesterday, today, and forever, his intent with Jesus was the intent that he promised here in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea, right? So the Spirit of God is leading Jesus into this place, but we have one who is an accuser, who is, the, who is a tempter. And so he is the one that comes here and brings ruin in this situation and tries to bring Jesus round, Jesus down. The way it helps me to think about it is God puts us in times of testing and puts Jesus in times of testing specifically to pass the test. It's a setup. The enemy leads us into times of testing for failure. And that's, and that's one way you, you can discern what is this? Am I going into this, this time of testing? Am I in this kind of season of wilderness? Um, is, it, is it the Lord doing this or is it the enemy doing this? Well, sometimes you just don't know, if I'm gonna be honest. I've had a lot of conversations as a pastor in my office with people going, I don't know, is this from the Lord? or what is it? I, I don't speak for God, I can't tell you. I, I, I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is that if it is from the Lord, his desire is to bless you in it and his desire is to see you flourish like just all those scriptures that I read. If it's from the enemy, his desire is to bring you down and bring you to ruin. So our job is to hold fast to God to get what he wants for us out of it, regardless of what the enemy wants. Does that make sense? If, if I had an answer, a clear answer to that question, I could be a bajillionaire because human beings have been asking this question since the beginning of time. 
Like, is this God or is this evil? I, I, just, I just don't know. That, you know, I mean, sometimes I think we can, we can clearly say, I think this is what it is. But a lot of times it's just hard to discern. Here's what I know. I know that, it, that God, Jesus clearly says that it's the enemy's desire to kill, to steal, and destroy. So when there is killing, stealing, and destroying, I lay that at the feet of the one who it belongs, which is the devil and the accuser of the brethren, our accuser. No question about that. So if I'm like, and there's no question about what my response would be, hold fast to Jesus. Sometimes we want to know why, and we want to have all the understanding in the world, and, and, and sometimes like, we just don't get those answers. Do you know Job doesn't get the answer about what happens in that story until the very end of the book of Job? Like he discovers at the very end of the book that there was this whole test going on. We could talk more about that another time. In the middle of it, he's going, why? And it's actually Job's dumb friends that try to make excuses for what's happening and tell him all these things. Well, you did this and this is happening because, no. Like that, that's, not, that's, not, that's not how this thing works. So what we know for sure is that if we, and what we know for sure about the life of Jesus is that him being led into the wilderness was actually meant to be a time where he would actually flourish and overcome. And guess what? That's exactly what happens in the story. The end of the story, and we, we see this a little bit more in the Gospel of Luke, is that he emerges from this time. It says, uh, if we were to turn to Luke chapter 4, it says that he went in, the Holy Spirit led him into the time of the wilderness, but he came out of the wilderness and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we know what God's intent and design was for Jesus to walk out of this time is that he would come out with power, that he would somehow be overcoming this. And so I know for sure that that's what God wants to do in my life. And so big picture, Jesus succeeds in this where Israel failed. So Israel was entered into this time of testing and God was looking to see what was in their heart and they showed their true colors. They didn't trust God. Over and over again, God does things for them and then they start worshiping other gods. Like everything God tells them to do, they're like, yeah, thanks God for that advice. Let's do the opposite. Like that is the, that's actually the human story. Hey, don't eat of this tree. Thank you God for that suggestion. I think I'll eat of the fruit of this tree, right? Like, I mean, this is the story of the Bible. It's the story of the Israelites. And so Jesus has this story that he gets to live out. He's in the wilderness, just like the Israelites were. The enemy comes with the same temptations that every human being has, has ever faced and he wins the battle. That's good news. And, and, and so what that means for us is, this is not, what I'm about to say, is not a matter of salvation. Your salvation is secure in Jesus because Jesus passed the test. Jesus went through this test and then ultimately goes through the test of going to the cross. This was just the beginning, guys. Jesus still had a couple years in front of him of journeying towards the cross. The final test is in the garden. Actually, it says in one of the other gospels that the devil waited until an opportune time to come and tempt him. That opportune time was in the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was praying, Father, if there is any way you could let this cup pass for me, then please let it, but not my will, but yours. That was the final test for Jesus. That's what it says in Philippians chapter two, that he became obedient even unto death and that his obedience there is what gives him the right to say every knee is gonna bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, Amen. right? And, and so, so Jesus passes the test so we don't have to as it relates to our salvation. I want to be very, very clear about that. If you are in Christ, your salvation is secure. It is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that his blood was shed for you and that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. 
even if you've screwed up. How many times, let us show of hands in the room, okay? All religious spirit go in Jesus' name. Have you had to ask Jesus for forgiveness after asking Jesus for forgiveness the first time? You are in good company. His blood covers a multitude of sins, and you are, you are as white as snow. Like, so the issue is not your salvation. That's not what's at stake here. The issue is there is something that God is wanting to cultivate in our heart and our life in that wilderness season. He says, I wanted to see what was in your heart, and he wants to see what's in our heart from time to time. And so we enter into it. Now, just in case, just to be clear, because sometimes preachers talk about this kind of stuff, and it's like, I don't know what you're actually talking about. All right, so what is, an, what is a wilderness season? What does it look like for us to go into the wilderness? Because most of us don't go to barren wastelands like this, right? We're not going to a physical location. What I would say is that it often emotionally and spiritually feels like what that picture looks like. Does that make sense? So get that picture in your mind of barrenness, of dryness, of loneliness, of like, I don't know where to go with this. I don't know what the resources are. And then have you ever felt that way? Chances are you were in some sort of season of wilderness. Make sense? Now look, I don't, there's not like a, a, a church doctrinal statement about seasons of wilderness, so don't go and look for it. It's not in the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Like this is, this is just, that's why I'm saying this is like kind of pastoral, just kind of teaching from like dealing with this in my own life and then with other people is there are just seasons in life where it feels like it feels dry and barren right now. It feels like I don't know what is going on. I feel disoriented I feel like I don't know what's happening, but I feel like I'm being tested. Like, it's easier to explain the feeling of that than it is to explain the logic of that. You guys good, good with me? Now, like, I know some of you in the room are like really rational, incredible thinkers, and that's amazing. And so you might be having a hard time relating to this, but I'm going to tell you, because you are a human being, this time will come for you. Like, you will know it when you experience it. Uh, so it's hard to, it's kind of like, how do you explain to someone what it, what it feels like to fall in love? How do you do that? Like, I mean, I can explain what it was like for me, but that's different for, for someone, you. What does it look like for you to love the person that you're with or to love your kids? It's, a, it's hard to explain. It actually does injustice to it to try to put words to it, doesn't it? Like, that's why we use songs and metaphors to explain love. Well, that's why the Psalms are, we have a big chunk of our Bible are, are filled with a guy named David who was in a very long wilderness season, right? Trying to explain, Lord, where are you? Like, how long, Lord, are you gonna stay away? Will you not go and rescue me from my enemies? Again, an actual physical wilderness. Sometimes I feel like God's like, chill. There's no one trying to kill you, bro. Like, you're gonna be all right. Like, you know, like there's, I'm literally, I'm gonna wake up and no one's gonna be waiting at my bedside to try to stab me, like tomorrow, right? That's what David went through. And Jesus is in the physical wilderness, but the emotional wilderness that we can feel can be just as hard and difficult. Spiritual brokenness, like, can actually be sometimes worse than physical brokenness. I know lots of people who have all sorts of um, uh, different kinds of disabilities and physical hardships, but when their spirit is strong, they're able to endure, right? I also know the opposite is true. I know lots of people who are really physically healthy, but spiritually dead, right? And so, uh, so this, this whole idea of like being in the wilderness is probably not a physical thing for most of us. It's more of a metaphor of a season of life. You guys follow me? You're good with this? 
All right, you church people who've been in church your whole life, you're like, yeah, I know what a wilderness season is. And so, so if you don't, we'll talk later. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll explain this, unpack it a little bit more. But here's what I'll say. You'll know it when it comes. And here's what I would say about wilderness. Wilderness is not what we would choose, but it is what we sometimes need. One of the ways you can know if you're kind of in a wilderness season is that you go, I don't want to be here. <laughs> this is not what I would want. But somehow, after you walk through that season, those of you who have walked through this before, you know, I needed that. I really need it. I'm a different person coming out of the other side of it than I was when I went into it. I'm stronger in some way. We'll talk more about those kind of pieces right there. But, but it's, it's usually not something we would choose, but it is something that we would need. Now, I would say this, that to be clear, because we're talking about God using these wilderness seasons in our life. Um, I think we, we need to be very, very careful about attaching this idea of a wilderness season to tragic events in our life. I think we have to be very, very careful about that. Because if we're not careful, we will see God as the source of the tragic event and not the enemy as the source of the tra- tragic event, okay? But that doesn't mean that wilderness seasons sometimes follow those tragic events, so here's Jesus, hungry and thirsty. At this point in time, it's the enemy that comes along in this place of vulnerability and that begins to twist him and turn, him, turn his heart away from God. You see? See how that works? And, and so, so I, I think we have to be very, very careful to, to, to not think about that hard, really difficult thing that, that happened in your life and point to it and say, say, yeah, God did that. Like, I just think we've got to be careful about that. The, the, more, the, more I, the more I do life with God and the more I do life with you all, the, more, the less I want to speak for God about those kinds of things. I don't, know, I don't know why things happen the way that they do, but sometimes they do. But what I do know is the enemy will, want, will come after you in a position of vulnerability. I know that for certain, Okay. And so again, sometimes it's like, I, I, I don't know any better way to explain this. I wish that I could articulate it better. It's like sometimes we just don't know, is this, is this the Lord or is this the enemy? But I feel like there, one of the ways that we can know is how we walk with the Lord through that season. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because our call is the same as to hold fast to Jesus no matter what, right? But sometimes tragic events and those kinds of things, hardships and difficulties are the spark that sets off a season where it feels like, yeah, I feel like this is a wilderness season where I have to decide, like, what am I gonna do with this? I can either, there's been some things in my life that were turning points. I can either hold fast to God here because he's my only hope or I can turn away from him. And, and, and I'm gonna be honest, and maybe if you were this honest, you probably would feel this way too. There have probably been seasons in your life where you would say it would be easier to turn away from God right now. It would be easier to believe that he, that he doesn't exist than to believe that he, doesn't, that, he, that he didn't answer this prayer or whatever it would be. I, there, there are many, many seasons where, where people encounter that kind of depths of despair, right? Where it's like, but what I have found is that in each and every one of those seasons, the call of God is like, hey, come to me, come to me. 
Like, I, I want you to be near to me. I am near to the brokenhearted. It's always a call to come and hold fast to Jesus. Like, like Peter in the words of the disciples, when, when Jesus gives this hard teaching and all the disciples are ready to leave, uh, and he's like, hey, our, Jesus asked the disciples, hey, are you guys gonna leave me too? And Peter says, where else would we go? You have the words of life. Like sometimes that's what you're holding on to. It's like, Jesus, I don't know where else I would go. <laughs> like I, like the, the truth of the matter is, like there's a part of me that just wants to walk away, but I know, I, I know that you have something for me. And again, it's so helpful for me to, to have the biblical framework. Guys, this is the importance of... Um, this is, this is, I'm gonna step aside for the message for a second. This is the importance of being a part of a, of, of a worshiping biblical community from the time that kids, from the time our kids are little so they get old so that you can have a framework so that when you encounter things that you can't understand, you can go, wait a minute, I know what God promised about what wilderness seasons are supposed to be like. And I know he promised me that somehow in the middle of this, it would feel like there are rivers in a wasteland. But if you don't have that promise in your heart, it's gonna feel very, very lonely and scary and afraid. This is not a sales pitch for church. This is a sales pitch for be, be formed by the word of God and the people of God. Look, I know church is messy and it's hard and it's difficult, but here is where the Spirit of God lives among his people. And it's, it's here that his word can come alive, not because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great teacher or whatever. That's, that's baloney. Like it's, it's about the people of God rallying around who Jesus is and the word of God and saying, I'm gonna let this shape and mold how I see the world. And it's so, so important. It's so important for your kids. The... The, the world right now is throwing messages at children just nonstop. And every commercial and every TV, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. They're friends. I mean, it's all around them. I'm not saying this out of fear. I'm not afraid of that. My fear isn't that the world will form them into something bad. My fear is that we won't become the people that God has called us to become. That we won't be salt and light because we'll be too, we'll be too confused This is why in the book of Hebrews, it's, or no, it's, it's Timothy. Um, Paul's talking to Timothy and says, guard your life and your doctrine closely. Um, it's not about having a doctrinal checklist of things I believe. It's about having a core of like, this is what I believe is true about God. And so that when I encounter things that I can't explain or understand, it's like, I don't know what's going on here, but I know, I, I know that my God is gonna be good here. I, I want to I say, I'm not, I'm not looking for affirmation in saying this, but if, I, I just want to just share pastorally that I don't feel like I'm doing a good enough job of explaining to you how these seasons work because I don't have an answer. I don't, I don't have it all worked out. Not because I have, I, I look, if you walk in my office, I've got plenty of books. I, I should have it figured out. But walking with God is not a science experiment. 
It's a relationship where you hold hands and say, get me through it, God. Get me through it, God. Like, I don't know how to know how to get through this, but let's do it together. I don't have an explanation for why this is happening, but I know I'm supposed to hold fast to you. And the, and the truth is, I think sometimes the, the simple pat answers actually lead us astray from God. They put God in a, in a box that's too small for it to contain it. I'm telling you that if you will open your heart up to the Father, he will blow your mind. He's closer than any friend you'll ever have, closer than any father you could ever experience. He can heal every wound in your heart. He can, he can show you that the dreams you thought you had don't compare to the dreams he wants for you. Like, I, I am telling you, it is so much better. I won't domesticate God. Don't you do it either. He is not a tame lion, like C.S. Lewis said. All right. All right, so there's three things you're going to be like, wait, there's, you're just now getting to it. <laughs> I really, really believe there are three things that happen in wilderness and that happen here in the life of Jesus in this wilderness time. First of all, the wilderness is a place of revelation. The wilderness is a place of revelation. Wilderness reveals what's in our heart and it reveals what's in God's heart. It's when you're kind of out of a place of comfort, when, when you're like a little bit disoriented that you can really tell what's going on. Uh, if like um, you've, you, you see this like uh, even in yourself when you're really, really tired and you're really, really thin and you haven't had time to think a lot about it and like, you know, just something just comes out really quick. There was something that was inside your heart. You know, that was there. You know what I mean? And so wilderness seasons reveal something. That's, that's, what, that's what God says, or that's what Moses says to the Israelites. I sent you into this time of testing so it would be revealed what was in your heart, whether or not you would be faithful to me. And so wilderness, are, it's a time of revelation, but it's also a time of revelation of who God is. If, if it's true, those scriptures I read in Isaiah and Hosea and Jeremiah, if it's true, then it's also a time where God gets to reveal who he is in those wilderness seasons as well. And there are things about God that you cannot discover in safety and security. Let, let's, let's just for a second park your theology for just a second and just be honest. Have you ever discovered something about God that you couldn't have if you weren't in a difficult season? Raise your hand. You see what I mean? There are just things that, the, that you will know about who God is that you can't know without the wilderness. That's exactly what, what God says to the Israelites. Hey, guess what? While you were out there and you were hungry, I gave you manna so that you would know that I was your provider. I, I, I provided for you water from a rock, right? And actually, that's what the, the enemy tempts Jesus in this, in this season to say, hey, you turn these stones into bread. He's like, no, 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 no. I know who my God is, and I'm gonna see him provide for me. And Jesus has spent 30 years in perfect unity with his father before this moment. 
So he knows what's true. And so what's revealed in his heart is he knows his father. And what gets revealed in the course of his life, because Jesus' whole life is wilderness. I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but Jesus' whole life, he is like out of his norm, out of the norm of what everybody else has experienced. At any point in time, Jesus could be killed. Have you ever thought about this? This is why Jesus tells people, hey, um, I'm the Messiah, and, um, but don't tell anybody. Like, right? Like, this is a bit confusing because you're like, if you're the Messiah, wouldn't you want everybody to know? But there are multiple occasions before Jesus ever goes to the cross that they try to kill Jesus, including his own family. So he's always like, um, okay. Jesus lived a wilderness life. <laughs> this was a preparatory season for the rest of his life. So, so in these wilderness seasons, you will discover things. It's a season of revelation. You'll discover things that are in your heart, and you will discover things that are in the heart of God that you could not discover otherwise. And so it's why you shouldn't despise these seasons, even if they're hard, even if they're hard. So they're a place of revelation. The wilderness is a place of connection. The wilderness is a place of connection. In these wilderness scenes, many, many people would tell you, even in this room, that I've never felt closer to God than in that moment when I was in my deepest pit of despair. Some people even say, I wish I could go back there because the presence of God was so sweet in that moment. One of the most tender moments I've ever had with the Lord was when Jen was super sick a couple years ago, laying in a bed with like a really ridiculous high fever. I was sick as could be. Uh, I think Chloe was still sick at that point in time. And we just laid in her bed and we had some worship music playing that I don't even like. And, uh, and we were just laying on her bed, just crying out to the Lord. And God's presence filled that room in a way that I can't explain. No, I would never want to go back there. But I want God's presence like that in my life every day right? I, I think Jesus experienced the presence of God in deep connection with the Father because he lived in dependence with his Father every single day. Um, and I think sometimes that's why we crave that, the, the, the season of like, hey, I want to go back there because we know that there's this deep connection with the heart of the Father in these times where we're, it feels so disorienting when we don't know where else to go. Have you ever been totally and completely dependent on your GPS? Like you had no idea where you were going, Right? Like, that's the feeling of the wilderness. Like I, like, I don't have a map. I don't know where. I'm totally disoriented. I'm going to need help. Like, uh, I don't think that that is supposed to feel that way all the time. But I, think, I do think we're supposed to live with that level of dependency on the Father all the time. Jesus told his disciples that they should abide in him. He sets, he sets the precedent for what that looks like. Just total dependence on the Heavenly Father. Take, give, tell me what to do today. What would it look like for you to give, give the Lord your, your, your wallet? Say, God, what would you like to do with the money that's in this today? What would it be like for you to give the Lord your calendar and say, Lord, what, I've got a whole week planned, but what would you like to do with this this week? What would it look like for, for you to do that? Like, well... What I've learned is that in, in those seasons of wilderness, you learn to ask those kinds of questions because you're so dependent on what you need today. Give us today our daily bread, right? And in those seasons of wilderness, you learn that you're not in control as much as you think that you are. And so you come out of those seasons more dependent, right? And so it's a place of deep connection with the Father. 
Uh, you, you just, you pray more. You depend more on God because you're like, I need you to get through this today. You depend more on his word. Most of the scripture that I have memorized in my life is from reading the same passage of scripture over and over and over again in wilderness seasons. It's, there's a deep connection that's formed with the Father. So there's a, it's a place of connection. And it's a place of preparation. It's a place of preparation. Jesus is led into the wilderness because what he's about to do is launch his public ministry right after this. And what happens in the life of Jesus is Jesus wins some battles in private that help him win battles in public after this. There's no public preaching before this. There's no miracles before this. This is all something that happens in secret. I'm telling you now that part of what happens in wilderness is that you get to win secret battles that no one else gets to see. And it's a time of preparation before you get into a situation where you're going to need the victory that you just had. Think about this. Jesus is like, yeah, devil, I don't need to turn these stones into bread because I live off of every word that proceeds from from the mouth of the Lord. And then a few months down the road, Jesus is going to encounter a situation where there's 5,000, probably more like 20,000 people gathered around and there's not enough food. So what are we going to do? The disciples are like, what are we going to do? Jesus is like, hmm, I've won this victory before. So give me, give me what you got. Let's bless it. And then let's hand it out. And then guess what? Everyone's filled with some leftover. That's an awesome freaking story, right? That, that victory was won in the wilderness. I know my father will provide, Right? When people come and they're trying to get Jesus to do great miracles, hey, show us really that you're the son of God. Well, he's like, hey, the devil, the chief tempter already tried to get me to do that. Then I said, no, who are you to try to get me to do that? I'm not gonna do this thing just to make you think that I'm someone special. I only do what I see the father doing. Do you see how this works? There are these battles that get won in these time of wilderness that are preparation for what you're about to step into. It's actually where um, there's a certain amount of spiritual authority that we have just because we're in Christ, but we learn how to walk in that authority that we have in Christ by encountering these sorts of tests and trials and tribulations. Peter would talk about how it's the tested genuineness of our faith that gets revealed in these seasons of wilderness. But it's not automatic. I'll be the first to say, in some of these seasons of wilderness, I've not done the right things. Right? I would like to, I would like to think that they all go swimmingly and it's automatic. But they don't. Remember, Israelites screwed it up. Right? And I do too. Like, there are times where I know that there's a test and it's, it's right before me. Do I trust the Lord with this or I do it, on my, do, it, do it by myself? And I wish I could stand before you and say, oh, man, I'm such a good pastor. Every time I just, you know, I just really trust God with it. But I don't. Like, we just don't. We go through these seasons of life where the truth is we don't pass the test. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. There have been times where I, like, I feel like maybe, this is not a wilderness thing, but there have been times where it feels like, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for specifically for that person or say this thing, and I just chicken out. I'm supposed to share the, the gospel with this person maybe, and I just don't do it because I'm afraid of what they'll think about me. Uh, anybody else? Just me. This is my confession time up here, right? So the, it's okay 
If you have been in a wilderness season or you are in a wilderness season and it didn't, you didn't get an A, so to speak, all you overachievers, it's going to be okay. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Right? Every time there's a failure, it, 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 like, it, it's actually a step forward and not a step backwards, it feels like. Because it's like, oh, man, I was not ready for that, Lord. I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. So don't beat yourself up. Don't, don't feel like this sense of pressure and this heaviness around this. Like, this is not something that you're going to choose, but it is something that is going to happen. Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Be of good cheer, it says, in the, I think, in the King James. What? Be of good cheer. That's something we say at Christmas, right? Like, so have a Christmassy spirit about this. Well, yes, because I've overcome the world. Jesus has passed the test, right? So it's okay, but don't despise the test. Don't despise the wilderness. Don't despise it. Don't waste it. So here's what I want to do. Uh, if right now you're, you feel like I am dead in the middle of a, of a wilderness season and I feel like isolated and alone and I don't know what to do, um, we just love to pray for you, just to encourage you, speak some truth over you, and just give you a space for us to pray for you. Um, if, uh, if, if anything that I've said tonight has been like, feels insensitive uh, to pain or difficulty that you're going through, uh, I just want you to know that I'm sorry, and that, that certainly wasn't my intent. I'm not trying to talk down what I said, but I just want you to know that the intent is to build you up and edify you and encourage you. And so if there's some way that we can, I can do that better, then come and, come and talk to me. I would just love to pray for you and hear your story and know how that we might encourage you and equip you in this season better. Lastly, I would just say, don't go through this stuff alone. There's a certain part of this that, you, that only you can experience, and there are certain things that are just private. Um, but there's a lot of this that doesn't have to be. Uh, I've, I've talked to two different people in the last couple weeks that went through a really, really difficult time uh, in the last year. And one of the common things that, th- that they said was, it was so hard because we were alone. And, and so I, we just don't want that to be the case for anyone that calls this church family home. We don't want you to be alone. As much as we can, we want to cheer you on. You've got a great cloud of witnesses. You've got people who have been, been down the road before you who can say, hey, I know what that's like. And I'm not going to give you stupid advice. I'm just going to be here to put my arm around and love you. I'm going to be here to, to encourage you. If you want advice, I'll speak into it. But if you don't, just let me. And if you don't get that, just say, hey, Shale said you're not supposed to give me advice. Stop it. Right? But don't go through this alone. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to look at is the specific temptations that Jesus face, faced because there are temptations that we all face. But I think it's really, really important for us to fa- like know going into times of wilderness, have a bit of a framework for it, and not feel caught off guard by it, and understand what it is that God wants to do. So I'll pray, and then if you want to come up for prayer, come up for prayer. We'd love to pray for you. So Father, I'm thankful that you're so kind. I'm thankful that you are an ever-present help in a time of trouble. 
thank you, Lord, for the things that you taught me. That have helped me become who I am today. I pray for my friends here today, Lord, that that you would give them a mind and and your heart for going into times of wilderness, Lord, that they would um, not feel scared of them, not feel overwhelmed by them, not be angry at you because of them, Lord, but instead to just hold fast to you, to call on the name of the Lord. Lord, I pray for my friends who maybe are in the middle of that right now and don't know what to do. God, would you be near? And would you guide them and instruct them, Lord? Teach them in this season, Lord. Draw close to their heart, Lord. Lord, would you help those who have gone through these times of wilderness to be able to share the testimony of overcoming and to be able to share the truth of um, how you sustain and how you walk through, Lord. Some, uh, guys, sometimes we have testimonies of great victory, but sometimes we have testimonies of endurance. So, Lord, I pray that people that have testimonies of endurance would rise up and share their story Lord, and I pray for those who have experienced breakthrough would share their story of breakthrough, Lord. Let us not sit quietly on the great things that you've done in our life. Jesus, help us be faithful to you every step of the way. We love you, we thank you, bless you in your name, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray for you. If not, love you guys. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Have fun at the Super Bowl.